0: Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Today, um, when I get the chance to preach, um, it's for me. There's two different ways that I come and share a message. Um, Sometimes I'm coming and I'm teaching and I'm proclaiming the truth, and then sometimes I'm coming and I'm sharing what God's teaching me, and today is one of those messages where God's teaching me something this week that I'm excited to be able to share with you, and uh, and so I'm praying that God teaches you the same way He taught me, and so uh, we're, t- we're going to study one verse today, and it's John eight twelve, and it's on the screen. Um, uh, the points are right there too. Um, there's three points today and it's the text. There's not a whole lot of extra stuff that we're going to look at. And so we're literally going to be looking at this verse that Jesus said. So if you would stand with me again, and we're just going to read it together. And um, so it says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, you guys say with me. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world.
1: Whoever follows me will never
0: walk in darkness, but will have the light of the life." light. Okay, let's do that again. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. excited about sharing this one of the uh, when my family when my wife and son and i and my son was like two and a half years old we had the opportunity to go to china for a month and to help a couple of different mission teams over there and we had uh, just discovered a lecturer hey, too uh we were we had just discovered a kids um worship song and as a parent there's two different kinds of kids worship music. There's the kind that's of really annoying and you want to get out of your head as soon as you can. Um, and kids usually like that, but the parents get really tired really fast, so that's definitely what I'm talking about. Um, and then there's the kind that is like the kids like it and it's tolerable to you and it's like meaningful. And so we discovered this worship music called Seeds of Faith, and so parents or soon-to-be parents check out Seeds. Um, they have like 15 different CDs now It's really encouraging us they just take scripture and they put it into songs that are annoying. Um, and so one of the songs that was really meaningful to us on that trip in China was John 8, 12. And we just sing it over and over and over again. Um, and we loved it because Kale memorized that song, over in China, talking about how Jesus is the light of the world. And so it's a shameless plug for great music for kids. It's not annoying. But this song's been really powerful to me for the last 12 years, for this verse. And uh, I was excited to be able to learn more about it this week. I've uh, thought about John 8, 12, and the fact that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I've always had this mindset, I've always had this picture of this being a missional verse. It is, don't get me wrong, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But I've always thought it in the context of Matthew 5, where Jesus tells his disciples, he tells his followers to go be the light of the world, be salt and light. And I've always pictured this the same way, and Jesus is saying that he's the light of the world, and we're supposed to go follow him and be that light. The more that I dug into it this week, Jesus is the light of the world for the world. But he's the light for me today. He wants to be the light of the world for me today. And that just made this verse just totally different. And it made this verse just change the perspective of it being a I need to go out and be the light of the world like Jesus is, to Jesus wants to shine his light on my life. And so I want to share about the setting of the story first, the setting of this verse. And so it's happening in one of the three feasts, one of the three celebrations that happened among the Jewish people. And it's called the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. And uh, that's when Jesus comes and he, and he makes this, that word, this proclamation, and, and he also teaches. I think Dustin's going to teach on the rest of the passage next week. And so but this, this festival, this feast, this celebration, is a time when the Jewish people would come. It's a seven-day festival. And they would celebrate. They would remember. They would remind one another of how God was so careful to take care of them in, in the wilderness. He was so careful to love them, to provide for them, and to care for them. One of the ways he cared for them, and he was, he heard it, it was a, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar in the clouds, and he led them by light. So much so that the very last day of the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Booths in the temple, they would light four giant candelabras, and they would light the candles with light as a symbol of God being the light for them. And I read some Jewish historians talking about how that, that, you know, back then there was no electricity, obviously, and so these candelabras would light up and be like a beacon for the entire city. Remarkable. And so at that moment, when they're celebrating the light And how god provided for them is when jesus comes and he says i am the light of the world that struck me how in that moment in that setting is when jesus comes and says the light that you've been worshiping as the god of the jews and who took care of your ancestors and led them out of egypt and into the promised land i am the light surpasses what happened then. I am fulfilling what happened with your ancestors. So, I am the light of the world. So we look at those first two words, I am. In John, the book of John, we're studying through it. There are seven times when Jesus says, I am something. A few weeks ago, Jim alluded to one in John chapter 6 where he says, I am the bread of life. He didn't allude to it. He preached on it in a larger verse, a larger passage. But today's the second one where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In the next several chapters, there's going to be five more times when Jesus says, I am the door. I am the vine. I am the way of the truth. Says I am. Seven I am statements. And we're at the second one. But all these statements are referring back to Exodus chapter 3. I love this story. It's are probably familiar to most people in this room, where Moses encounters a burning bush. Where God is speaking to Moses in the middle of this burning bush. It's not burning up. And in the middle of burning bush, God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh, go to Egypt, and proclaim to let the Jewish people go who've been in bondage and slavery. And Moses has this conversation with God in this moment, saying, I can't do this. I can't go back there. I can't do what you're asking me to do. And then go back and forth, and finally Moses says, who should I say he's even asking me to let a million people go. And God answers with saying this. Tell them that I am. Tell them that I am. And so what God was saying is tell them that the I am who is everything in in the world. The creator of the world. The lover of the world. The caretaker of the world. I am everything. Just tell them that I am all that. And so Jesus is picking up on that moment. He's picking up on the fact that God gave himself the name, I Am. I uh, For the historians in the room, I, I love this. So you know that the Bible, the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And so, in about 300 B.C. before Christ, one of the Ptolemy, I think Ptolemy II, had ordered 70 Jewish teachers to translate the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek. So the Greeks can be able to read the Old Testament. And when they translated Exodus chapter 3, where Jesus, where God is saying, I am, is the one that you're supposed to tell them. That's my name. It was translated by this: Ego Amy. I am. And so, in John, in John chapter 8, in all the book of John, the seven statements that John says, that Jesus said, I am blank, it uses the word ego, amy. There's other times in the book of John and other times in the, in the Gospels where Jesus is talking and he doesn't use the words ego, ami." He just uses the words amy, which means I am. But there's specific emphasis of going back to Exodus chapter 3, of him saying, I am God. So every time Jesus says, I am, he uses ego aiming, and what he's saying is he's saying, friends, followers, Jewish leaders, religious leaders, I am God. He's making no bones about it. He's not, he's not, like maybe he's saying this. He is clearly saying I am I am God so that's the beginning he emphatically says I am you now I read one commentary this week that said this he said that when, when you're saying Amy it means I am but this commentator said when you say Ego Amy it means I and no other person I am no other. There is no other one. Am. Yeah. So what Jesus is saying, according to his commentators, I and there is nobody else that can, can do this. I am and no other am the light of the world. That's a really neat distinction for me. So Jesus goes on and he says, I am the light of the world. He's exclusive in that. He says, I am the light, and I am the light of the world. He's not saying I am a light. I'm not saying I am partially light, or, I am I am a light, or I'm not saying I'm a light to the Jewish people. But he said, I am the light of the world. He's making a declaration statement, a proclamation saying, I am God, and I am the light of the world. When I was in sixth grade, my family and I went on a trip. And um, it was a long trip, but we stopped in New Mexico to visit the Carlsbad Caverns. And it's the only time I remember going into the cave. I just watched a, a, uh, a movie this past week, or over the last couple of weeks, called I think 13 Lives, about the, it's a great movie about the 13 boys who were rescued in um, Thailand in a cave. And I will never go into a cave again. <laughs> um, but, did go to a cave when I was 6th grade. I followed my parents and, and now I'm looking at that movie and I'm like, why did I do that? That's never going to happen again. kale will never going to a cave. <laughs> um, so, but when I was 13, I went into Carl's Back Howard's and we hiked in there. My grandmother was with me at one point, with us too, and she didn't she not make it a third of the way through the, through the cave and she just found a bench that really wasn't a bench and she sat down and she told the Guide, come and find me afterwards and she was just stubborn and she's like if i am not going any far this is all i'm going leave a flashlight i'm okay um, and so we went down deep into this cave and some we all had flashlights and the guide said all right there's this landing spot um, and the guide said turn off all your lights and we turned off all the lights and i just remember thinking this really really dark. Um, Like my hand, I don't know if you've ever been in any dark places where darkness just, you feel darkness. Like I felt the wet darkness of that cave where I could see my hand when it's this close and uh, it was so so dark. After what felt like an hour but probably just a couple of minutes, the guy turned on a singular small flashlight and it lit up all around us. That one small light just lit up the entire room. There's such a contrast between light and darkness. Light and darkness is just so opposite of one another. It was for me in that cave where I could feel the darkness, but when that small flashlight came on, it illuminated everything, and my mom could breathe well again. Just because the light was shining and pushed away the darkness. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Where darkness is pushed back. I thought a lot this week about what light meant to the Jewish people. And I really started out with what did light mean to our author today, John. In John chapter 1, John clearly says in verse 4, he says, In him, which is Jesus, was life, and the light was the light of men. John's making this connection that Jesus is light, and in him he's also the light of men. He's clearly saying at the very beginning, the prologue that we dealt with back in February, that Jesus is the light He is the light of the world And in him brings life We'll talk about in a minute But for the Jewish believer There's two other places in Scripture that I want to look at One is the very very beginning In Genesis chapter 1 It says this In the beginning God created the heavens And the earth And then listen to these three things That are described in verse 2 The earth was formless had no form. The earth was void. It was lacking. There was nothing in it. It was lacking. And, um, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So it's formless. It was void. It was lacking. And it was dark. But then what did God do in verse 3? And God said, let there be what? Light. And what began to happen? Light pervaded the world. Pervaded and was pervasive throughout the world and all the earth. Because of light, God began to form things. God used light to create darkness and to make it darkness into light. When there was nothing when it was lacking when there was void things began to happen as god created everything else and He started the fight so for the jewish believer for the first entering jew light was huge not only was the sun's light what they used they didn't have electricity they had candles and fire the light was huge it provided more provided cooking it provided a way for their crops to grow. Light was huge, but it is even more important to that because they believed that light was what God used light to bring about. And change darkness into light, create nothing out of the void, and started to form things. But even in one of the prophecies about Jesus in Isaiah 42. It says this I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people,
1: as a nation
0: over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the nations to open up blind eyes and bring about prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness of the pen. The light of the nations that he's referring to is Jesus. To bring about People that were in darkness and bring him into light out of the dungeon and bring him into freedom and so this idea of light to the first century jew and they would have heard jesus say i am the light of the world it would have all those meanings plus more not only is jesus saying i am god but he's also saying i am the light of the world which he's picking up on the fact that he was the prof- he was a prophecy from isaiah 42 and he's saying i am the messiah the one that came to bring redemption and salvation to the people. As we talk about Jesus being a light of the world, He's a light for us too. It's not only for salvation. When we come to know Jesus, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, when we're saved, when we have a salvation experience. The light of Christ comes into our life. But what he's talking about here is not just that moment of being the light in your life. For me, February 17th, 1991. Probably before most of you were born. That makes me feel old. I'm glad I realize that right now in this moment. That's sad. But, so it's a salvation moment. But Jesus wants to be our light every day. He wants to shine things on dark parts in our life, in our world. He wants to be a light, a beacon, a person who leads us and guides us and cares for us. I had a friend. I work with international students at KU, and I have a friend named, a few years ago named Chet. He was from Nepal, and he was getting his Ph.D. in Bugs. When he told me that the first time, I'm like, did I hear you right? You're studying bugs and you're getting your PhD in it. Yep, he's getting his PhD in bugs. And his dream was to find a bug that's never been identified before. So he and his wife would go at nights for fun to try to collect bugs to see if they can find one that they've never found before. And I'm like, awesome. Um, I'll never go with you, but awesome. Um, And so my friend Chet... We were walking one day down their Potter Lake on campus, and in that moment, we found a... Uh, There's like a log, a wet log or a wet stick, and apparently every time he sees one, he turns it over to see if he can find a bug and lect it and see if he can figure it out. Um, and so he did, and they all dispersed. And I asked him, because he's the bug guy, I asked him, why do they go away? And he said... Um, most people think because they're, they're trying to protect themselves. And he says they're not. They're in a dark place, and light is coming on them, and they're scattering because of the light. When light shines on them, um, things, they go away. In certain ways, in a weird way this week, I was thinking about that for our lives, that when light shines in our lives, When Jesus' light shines in our life, what he's wanting to do is just show us the things that are not right, reveal things to us, demonstrate to us so that we can become more like him. He wants to bring things into light. I wrote this down this week that sin kept in the darkness and hidden brings bondage, but sin brought into the light brings freedom. I'll say that again. Sin kept in the darkness and hidden brings bondage. Those bugs are kept in bondage in this illustration. But when light shines on it, sin brought into the light brings freedom. As we think about Jesus being the light of the world in our lives, would you consider asking God, to shine his light on your life, to bring about any kind of sin, stronghold, bondage in your life that he wants to bring freedom for you. And Jesus came to free the captives and bring freedom to those in bondage. Would you ask God, maybe, courageously, It's to shine light on your life. So Jesus' claim was that he is God by saying, I am. And then he was also claiming that he was the Messiah. He was the one that was bringing salvation by saying, I am the light of the world, and referencing back to Isaiah 42. Then he says this, he who follows me will not walk in darkness. This idea of follow is not just a one-time commitment where you're going to follow and you're following the leader and the leader's way far away. It's like not just tagging along like you're know, like a third wheel and on a date and you're just kind of there engaging in this experience. This idea of following that, Je- that, John, that Jesus is talking about is that you're experientially following Jesus. He who follows me not just I made a decision in 1991 and I'm following God now. No, Jesus wants us to follow him daily, to experience him daily. Following Jesus is not simply tagging along with Jesus or even simply keeping your distance, but is believing Jesus for who he is and allowing that to change your life and the trajectory of your life. Believing that he says, I am the light of the world, when you choose to give your allegiance to Jesus and follow him, you have him. You need to experience him, because he's the light of the world, and he's there for the taking. And then quickly, he says that you may have the light of life, the light of life. That word have is kind of like a language of promise. That you will have. That Jesus is saying, you can have this light of life for you. It's a promise. It's a, the language is in a forward motion of, like, you're going to rec- be able to receive this and experience this. Believers have a light that lasts forever because as a believer, you get to be in eternity with Jesus. That light lasts forever. It awakens us to eternal life. But Jesus is not just saying that. Jesus is wanting you to experience the light and his his life with you now. There's a few different ways to interpret meaning from this idea that Jesus is referring to the light of life. But the one that I think is consistent to with John chapter 1 is would be like this, the light which is life itself. The light which itself is light. John 1 clearly talks about the same way. And so what that means is that that God wants to give you Jesus as your light. And that light is itself life. When you get to receive Jesus, when you get to walk and experience with Jesus, you're experiencing life. Not just eternal life one day in heaven, but God wants to give you life now. I was talking to Katie this week. She's really been studying John chapter 6 lately and where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The first I am statement. And she's just been really dealing with the fact that God wants to be her sustenance and everything for her now. Not just in heaven one day, but for now. In the same way, God wants to be our light of life now. He wants us to have life. He doesn't want me just to live life and get to heaven one day. He wants me to experience his goodness today and tomorrow by shining his light on our life and allowing us to experience that together. I wrote this down this week, as darkness and death go together, so does life and light. Darkness and death, there's just a similarity with them. But light and life is the same way. For these grass and for the trees and the flowers, for them to be able to grow, they have to have light. For them to have life, they have to have light. Same way in our lives for us to be able to grow, for us to be able to walk with Jesus, the light of his life gets to shine down and engage with us. Last thing that struck me as I was reading, I I read John chapter 6, 7, and 8 this week as I was preparing, or as last week. And I noticed this in John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John chapter 7, he talks about how he's the living water. And in John chapter 8, he talks about how he's the light of the world. Food, water, and light. Things that are requirements to grow. And Jesus is all those things for us. He wants to be everything for us. Because that's who he is. He's the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness but will have, is promised the light which which is itself life. We all want life. Life is precious. Life is valuable. We want to experience life. That life only happens when we encounter the light of the world. What does that look for you, What does that look like for you today? A couple of questions. One is the one I asked a few minutes ago, is there any would you pray and ask God to be the light in your life? To to shine on anything that that he might need to shine his light on. I don't know what that is. Is there anything that's holding you back and keeping you in bondage? It could be small, it could be big, it could be an addiction whatever that might be, ask God to shine light on it so it can be exposed and there can be freedom. But secondly, are you experiencing the life of Jesus in your life? Are you experiencing that? Not just at salvation, but are you experiencing where God is your life? Where Jesus is your life? If not, ask God for that. Simply put, just ask God, God, teach me, show me, reveal to me what you being the life for me on an experiential daily basis would look like. And I believe our God would reveal that to you and lead you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would show us, teach us, demonstrate us, to us, the power of, of what it means that you are the light of the world not only that you are God but you are the Messiah that was promised that you are the one that gives us life and gives us life to the fullest Father I pray you would reveal things to us today bring us out of bondage and bring us into a place of freedom God I know that you care for us I know that you love us God, I pray you'd help us to experience you just in a real, real way. In Jesus' name, amen.